Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I think you got to do everything you can as an organization to surround him with great pieces, whether it be up front. And certainly I think, like, you can't function at the NFL level if you don't have solid, competent O&D lines, right? It, it starts up front. We love in the media to talk about, obviously, all these perimeter players and, and skill position players, but the game still starts and ends up front. And so I think they've got to continue to build his offensive line in front of him. And then you got to continue to get pieces around him on the offensive side of the ball, outside, you know, at the tight end position in the backfield. I think you got to continue to build this around him because as an organization, I mean, I think once you make the decision to take him, your, your future really is tied to him and his success. That's Alex Smith again. Yeah, man, he's talking about the Jags for some reason. I mean, I love it. I love it, Alex Smith chiming in on the Jags. You're right about the urban stuff. That would have been pretty Maybe. interesting uh, if he was still around and what he'd be commenting about. Maybe there's a reason he didn't comment. <laughs> you know? Brent Martino, uh, Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday. Uh, what are we now? Just a little more than 48 hours before the NFL draft. Jags go on the clock around, they'll tell you it's about 8.05 or 8.06. Trust me. We have a three-hour special on TV on Fox 30, 7 p.m. until 10 p.m. We went back and looked. We thought it was like 8.05, 8.06, 8.07. It really, they didn't go on the clock last year until like 8.14 or 15, I think it was. And then they want to chew up most of that for, you know, make it more dramatic. A uh, well-known story now, the Jags sat on the clock. They were told basically don't call until seven minutes in, and then uh, the cell phone wasn't working for Trevor Lawrence. The, the surface wasn't that good where he was hanging out in Clemson, South Carolina. Come and so it took a couple of extra moments uh, to get to him. So that was uh, the story uh, with uh, last year's draft. But so you're talking about uh, we're a few hours away from that 8 o'clock hour. So 51 hours or so now the countdown is on. Uh, for when the Jaguars go on the clock. We don't think they'll trade it away. Who will they pick? We think it's Hutchinson. We think it's Walker. There's an outside chance it's Iki Iquanu, I guess, is the third guy now. Uh, Evan Neal has certainly taken a backseat. Kayvon Thibodeau not really in the mix. I asked earlier on the show, could you see Jamison Williams being in that mix? If he didn't get hurt, he would have been a top-10 guy. I think we all feel that way. If he was going to be a top-10 guy, and Jamar Chase did what he did last year, and he's being compared to guys like a Tyreek Hill that can really change your offense, would it be worth the Jags taking a receiver at number one? And it seems a little far-fetched now because he's hurt. But I also think it's a little goofy that we take an ACL injury and drop a guy like 15 spots potentially in the NFL draft. I mean, you're getting a guy for the next five years, hopefully ten years, to your football team and franchise. If he misses a couple of months or six games, is that really that big a deal, Casey? I mean, should we be that short-sighted that we have to see the guy roll out in minicamp, have to see the guy roll out in training camp, have to play preseason games in the first month of the year? Heck, the Jags drafted Dante Fowler Jr. Two days later, he tore his ACL. I mean, so it can happen anyway. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I think... To your point, it's probably not the world's biggest deal. Obviously, you know, you want to see the guy come back from injury, so there obviously is a little more risk than picking a guy that's fully healthy at the time. But to your point, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I will report this in just moments ago on ESPN. This is not breaking news. I just want to make it a little more dramatic, helping with the draft, the most dramatic season ever. Uh, Mike T., your guy, said if Jamison Williams was healthy, he would take him number one if he was Trambalki in the Jags. He said Did he, he really say that? Yes. 
He just said it on uh, the NFL Live edition of Draft for like the 900th time. He just said it to lead off the show. He still thinks he'll be a top 12 pick. So maybe the idea of trading back in to get him, you got to go up to at least 10 or 11. Yeah, and I believe that. I, I believe that you might have to be in the – let's just say the top 15. I'm not sure about 10 or 11. It depends what happens with the quarterbacks. Are people going to do, do – do we know when Williams feels like he'll be ready? Is he is I thought he, it was I, for August some, guy, September guy, or do we really think mid-year guy? For some reason, I thought I was like week seven was optimistic, Is I feel like what I read. Uh, that would be – that would sound about right. So, like, I understand – are the Jags – that's a really tough thing for the Jags, right? I mean, you're going to miss half the year. You're looking for impact. You want to turn this thing around. You say, well, wait a minute now. Just wait a little longer. Wait a couple more months. This guy will make an impact. And what I always say is, is the guy going to make the impact coming off the ACL right away? I do think that is still part of the equation. I don't think there's a problem with Jameson Williams getting back to what he thinks he is and where he's been or what you think he can be. He'll get there. But will he be there in year one even if he plays ten games? I don't buy up buy in that. I, I think these guys take a little bit to get back to where they bet. And so you're you're essentially saying potentially are you okay with drafting a guy that really might not play to where you think he can play his whole year. That's a tough thing to sign up for. Yeah. For any team, not just the Jags. Tough thing to sign up for, but especially like super high in the draft. And but I think in the long run, we shouldn't be that concerned with a guy like Jamison Williams. I think we shouldn't be too short-sighted to say he might miss the first month of the year. And again, I bring up Fowler and ETN, guys that you planned on having, and you didn't. Because guess what? It's the nature of the game. You're going to get hurt sometimes. I asked this question earlier in the show. Are we talking enough about wide receiver at number one, like Jamison Williams, like a Tannenbaum just said? I also say, are we talking too much about a receiver with the second overall pick or jumping back in the first round? At 33, given what the Jags could get, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best receiver in the draft, George Pickens maybe, or if they trade back in, get the fifth or sixth best guy or however they view it. This is something that I would like to see them do. But does it make sense for them to do it, Casey? given the fact that they spent money on Zay Jones. They spent money last year on Marvin Jones. They spent money on Christian Kirk. They spent draft capital on LaVisca Chenault. They saw a little something with Agnew. And they did bring back Treadwell as well. And then they added to their tight end room, and they're getting a receiving running back back this year too in ETN. Does it make sense for them to spend high draft capital on the receiver position this go-round? Yeah, sure it does. If your guy is there and a guy that you value, like a Traylon Burks or somebody like that, if there's a guy you value that high, absolutely. Because to your point, yeah, you know, they, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, it is what it is. Marvin Jones, you have to believe it might be a one-and-done situation with the two-year contract, and he was obviously here last year. Uh, I think Agnew did really good things. I think he could still be a part of it, but we're not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and rely on Jamal Agnew to be a top-tier receiver for them. So, I think with what you have, yeah, you're, you're in a good, you're in an okay spot at best, I should say. I think if your guy's there, you go get him. Now you got to balance that with a Linderbaum or something like that that might also be sitting there because if somebody's fallen, somebody else is being picked. So there's going to be something else that's happening there. But I think if your guy's there, you got to go make that move. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I do think I, I just I want that to happen. 
And I want it to happen so badly. And I'm almost not even sure I want it to happen necessarily for a receiver. I just want the Jags, from a philosophical standpoint, to say, I want as good a player as I can get. And if I think I can get a this much more, and I'm holding my hand like at the top of my head for you radio listeners, yep. this much more of a player at 25 and give away some draft capital than waiting around here and now I'm holding my head at my shoulders and have this kind of player at 33, well, I want the guy that's going to be the better player. If that's where the cutoff is, the drop-off is, why are we waiting around in Jacksonville? to say we could add more picks and more picks and more picks but not as good a player. We need more good players. We need better players. We need great players. We need blue-chip players. And guess what? Those usually are taking, taken in the first round, first 20 picks, first 25 picks. And sometimes there's a fall-off, a drop-off once you get later in that first round or even into the second round at the kind of player you're going to get. Now, there's other drafts where you can really say, hey, listen, the top 10, top 12, they sit in their own little bucket. And then 13 all the way to 45 is kind of in the same breath. They're right in that other bucket. And then there's the drop-off from there as you go along the rest of the draft. How do the Jags see this draft in that circumstance? How does the league see it? Well, there's a lot of reports out there that the league now sees this draft as really there are like 15 first-round guys and that's it. 15 first-round guys. Yeah. I mean, Walker Little last year at 45 to some, depending who you read and believe, was a first-round value. Yeah. Cam Robinson in the past. Jawan Taylor in the past. We know. Heck, Jawan Taylor, when I was in Nashville, he was looked at as a top-ten pick. Yeah, Miles right. Jack, if you go back. Like, so these are drafts where there is a ton of value. And now, like, I, I tweeted uh, with Michael Silver last night, and he was saying that, I think something to the effect of this is just not a very good draft in terms of, yeah, you'll find players, but across the board, you're not going to get a lot of blue chippers out of this thing. And it reminded me of 2013 a little bit with the Eric Fishers, the Jokels, the rest of that draft. If you look at the top part of it, it's really not that strong. Like, you're not sending people to the Hall of Fame out of that draft, especially in the first round. So now I start wondering, okay, how do the Jags see this? Where is this? And will... Will that lead them to really not go back in the first round? Although I want them to be aggressive. Or should that, Casey, lead them to go in the first round? Because there's a big disparity between the top 20 players and maybe the next 40 players in the draft. Yeah, it's a good point. I think you should. And I think it shouldn't be, to your point, uh, we talked about receiver, obviously. But if they traded up to go get, I don't know, N'Kobe Dean or somebody like that, and, and, they, and they tell us in, like, the post-press conference, like, hey, we love this guy. This is our guy. We had to go get him. And even though it's not necessarily the player we all think it could have been, maybe it's a Lewis scene. Who knows? If they have a guy valued that high and they have enough res- uh, gumption and respect to go get that guy, then I'm going to be on board with it. And I think to your point, I, you have to be aggressive in that turn because if you're at 33 and there's only three guys left on your board that you value at 33 and there's only 16 picks into the draft, well, then you kind of have to do something to go get one of those guys or else you're going to settle. You don't really want to have to settle. So I think, yeah, I think if there's a guy there, you go and you make that move and you figure it out on the other side. And if you get two of your top 33 players or however you want to phrase it, top 20, whatever, then it's a W. 
It doesn't matter who you trade for. If that's your guy, if that's Doug Peterson's guy, if that's whoever's guy, and you love him enough, go get him. Yeah, listen, I think, um, first of all, you used the word gumption, which is very good throw-in here How about on that? Tuesday before draft. How about that? that? terrific. Very good. Like, I'm not sure I've heard the word gumption since maybe my mom said it. Hey, man. Like, Culture. that's pretty good for, like, a 24-, 25-year-old to be using the word gumption. You know me. That's good parenting. Yeah, well done, Chip really and Teresa. Really good parenting. Uh, I like it a lot. In fact, I might try to incorporate a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, you Again, I just put it out there on social media. And I think this is a com- complex question, especially without knowing the board, right, and how they really evaluate this. Uh I just I think the point here is there's not a lock. Just because there are 32 draft picks in the first round doesn't mean there are 32 players that are worthy of being there. That's a tough thing to register in your mind. Yeah. Listen to that again. Every team is going to take, well, some have two, but you're going to get 32 picks in the first round. That doesn't mean there's always 32 first-round picks. Like, it's crystal clear now. Like, if you go back to Taven Bryan, he wasn't a first-round pick. I forget what else was around him and where they should have gone and could have gone, but they certainly had their order out of place. Yeah. And that also doesn't mean that you're not going to find a third-round guy that really should have been a first-round pick as you look at his career unfold. That certainly will happen, too. But I just – someday, sometimes you can get jo- Jawan Taylor again, and I'm, I know he hasn't played out this way, but he was projected as a top-ten pick by some. Now, the knee cost him the slip a little bit. Miles Jack, same thing. Injury cost him the slip a little bit. But sometimes at 33, at 35, at 38, even at 42 or 45, you can get a guy that somebody would have been just as willing to take at 26. I'm not sure from what you're hearing this is that draft. And I just wonder if the Jags will be more encouraged by that or less encouraged by that to go back in the first round and get a high-quality player because the drop-off is too steep for them, even at 33, to feel good about. Yeah. And and our other teams think in the same way. Now remember now, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. This isn't a draft board that every team in the NFL has everybody stacked the same way. That's not how it works. And so uh, th- there are no formalities here. This is These are not blanket statements. It's how everybody views it and sees it. And I think you also said something important. Now, you said Lewis Seen, but... Like, I wonder about this question from a receiver standpoint. I've also brought this question up of going back in the first round, like a guy like Jordan Davis. What if he slips a little bit, more than people think? I really like that cat now. I mean, if he were to come down to 21, 22 or something, would you be willing and eager to go get that? I think they should. Like, I think they should. And you say, like, this comes into play with a guy like Linderbaum. I think if you value Linderbaum the way a lot of people did up until, like, a few weeks ago where he started dropping deeper into the first round and maybe out of the first round, then is Linderbaum a guy you would go up and get and not stick around and wait and see if he's still there at 33? Uh, Because you don't want, if you really do like a guy like Linderbaum, do you want somebody coming in like Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson at 32 and saying, hey, we're going to get this guy. We're not sleeping on this. We're not waiting to do a deal with Jacksonville. We're going to go get this guy in in the late first round. So a lot of fascinating questions that in from a philosophical standpoint, I want the Jags to do two things. I want the Jags to get the best players possible on their board, and as many of them as possible. And that means you might need to be aggressive and trade up. Trent Falke said it himself. He's like, traditionally, if you look at me, I've traded back. I don't want traditional Trent Falke. No. I want you trading up 
and being aggressive because I feel like you're going for it if I'm a Jags fan. I feel like if I'm in that building, I'm going for it. If I'm in that locker room, I'm like, I'm trying to go get you guys more good players. I don't need 12 draft picks on this roster. We've got a lot of those guys. Four six-round picks is not changing the dynamic of that locker room. One extra first-round pick really could. Another extra second-round pick and trading away that third-rounder and something else, that could change the dynamic of your locker room, your performance on the field. I highly doubt those guys at the back of the, of the draft are really changing your season. And so I just hope from a philosophical standpoint the Jags do that and take that into consideration uh, when they go uh, approach this draft. Now, by the way, too, one other thing we have to realize is that just because you want to trade doesn't mean you can't trade. Right. And that, that doesn't always make sense. It just doesn't always work. You can, you can ask around. You can look around. You can try it. Some, some teams offer something else better. Uh, some teams don't budge. And some teams want too much. Yeah. And uh, so I think, uh, I think that dynamic of this draft is really fascinating uh, to me as it uh, sits. All right, we're going to take a break. Here at iCryo in St. John's County, uh, we are at the Pavilion at Durban Park as we get ready. I think I'm going to go do some compression, by the way, in a commercial break. Okay. Probably com compression on the left arm, so I'm going to throw in BP this later this week to the kids. Uh, I forgot your lefty. Good. Yep, lefty. Or maybe the golf game. Golf game in bad right now, by the way. Is I'll that right? playing a little more. Okay. Yeah. I need to play a little. This is a good time after the draft to play some golf. Yeah, you're busy right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dream 18 card, ActionSportsShackStream18.com. Do you know, by the way, the Dream 18 card has an unbelievable amount of value, like more than ever before that I even thought when we started this thing. Right. The golf courses are expensive, people. Yeah, they are. I love our golf courses, but it is expensive to play. Like, if you want to play golf and you don't have the Dream 18 card, like, you're doing yourself a disservice. Absolutely. It's a heck of a deal. Like, it really is. I don't, hey, listen, if we sell one more or a hundred more, doesn't change my world. Just trying to help you out. Just trying to help you out. Just trying to help. Action Sports Shack, Stream18.com. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Well, I feel like I'm, I'm always available. You know, uh, I show up and I show up when the lights are the brightest. You no, know, back down for challenges. I'm always the best version of myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a great teammate, a great guy to be around outside of football. You know, a guy that everybody wants to wants to be like. You know, everybody looks up to. And I just do all the, all the things right. Like I said, I don't drink or smoke. You know, a lot of people might say my life's boring, but you know, I love it. You know, it's really simple, and I'm able to do the things that I love. I have no idea who that is. Some would say he has a sauce. <laughs> Sauce Gardner, huh? That's him. Um, I am uh, live from my cryo. And if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, I feel like a superhero right now. Delphonic, if you're still here, I don't know what you can do with this, but definitely something. Yeah, well, I was going to I feel like my mic is not where it's supposed to be, but I can't fix it. No, you're good. Right now. Coming in uh, line clear. So anyway, this is, uh, this is actually one of the things like the kids come and do, too, for their legs. And Kaylee's a pitcher, so for her arm. And so I got the compression working here at iCryo. It's one of the uh, lifestyle services they have. And very uh, relaxing, good for getting lactic acid out if you run. Obviously good for the legs. If you do anything with your arms uh, from an athletic standpoint, it's good as well. Blood flow increases. Gets everything going a lot quicker. Uh, so 
I'm actually doing it on the feed right now. Uh, if you in, well, it looks a little funny, but it's very good. It works. And uh, Casey hasn't tried. I told you, you got to get him down here and uh, and try out the compression. But I was talking actually uh, John Bachman uh, last night, and I said uh, his daughter runs track. And she's also a big soccer player, and she played soccer all weekend. And he's like, yeah, she just went over there and did the compression. So it's funny how much the kids are using this stuff from a recovery standpoint. And uh, I say it all the time. From Miles Jack telling me how many naps he takes in a day to um, Calais Campbell, how much he talked uh, about his body, how much Urban Meyer really made it the point to bring a lot of this kind of stuff inside the building and why they're building a performance center. It's amazing how much today's athlete recovers just as much as they train. And I had never thought about it much before until the last few years. And uh, now we got it right here uh, in St. John's County with iCryo. Come on down. Say hello. We're here until 6 o'clock. They're open each and every day early in the morning until uh, I think it's 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. So it kind of fits your lifestyle. Elevate your lifestyle at iCryo. Hey, uh, there was an article, a Bleacher Report, I think, today about LaVisca Chenault out of Pittsburgh. Or uh, would the Steelers be interested in trading for the receiver? Uh, there's certainly been a lot of conversation about LaVisca on the trade block, or could it be a possible piece in a trade for the Jags? That one suggested, Casey, a fourth-round pick. I don't think I'm getting rid of LaVisca Chenault for a fourth-round pick. I, I like LaVisca Chenault more than other people do. I've said it countless times. I would say it if he was here right now. I mean, I don't know if I'd say it to his face. Because if he might get mad at me. But I, I, I think he was the most disappointing player on the Jags last year. I have high hopes for LaVisca. I think he can be really good. I thought he was bad last year. I thought he really was disappointing. Was that Urban's fault? Was that the offense's fault? Was that his fault? I don't know. But I also don't know if I want to give up on him, and I sure as heck don't want to give up on him for a fourth-round pick only. Yeah, no, I agree. I said the same before the article came out yesterday on OT. I was like, well, like, what could you really get for him? Like, I was like, a third-round pick, I guess I'd, you know, listen. But other than that, I probably wouldn't. And, again, to this point, yeah, you know, a fourth-round pick – for someone you really don't know what what he is yet, a uh, lot of potential still, in my opinion. So, yeah, fourth round pick seems low to me. It makes me wonder more more so about the Steelers, in terms of they need help at receiver. You have that pick at twenty where you think there'd be a big receiver available, but it sounds like if you're trying to acquire one via trade, then you got other thoughts at that pick. Maybe they really do go with the quarterback. So, I think that part is interesting to me in that sense that maybe the Steelers are going to do something a little different in the draft. Well, listen, by the way, it feels like he'd fit the Steelers in a lot of different ways. But I, I also think if I'm the Steelers, I'm not expending a lot of draft capital on LaVisca Chenault. So I want to get him for almost a steal, what I think is a steal or something reasonable. But from the Jags' point of view, I'm not giving up on the guy for a fourth-round pick. Like, I'm just not ready to do that. Maybe by the trade deadline, I'm willing to do that. Maybe it's even a fifth-round pick that by that point where we're just not using him in Jacksonville. He's not fitting. It's not happening. And then maybe you make a move. But I'm not willing to go there yet. I, heck, I don't even know how good Zay Jones for three years, $24 is going to be. Yeah, I agree. Now, I wonder, in the point you made in the last block where it was like, this isn't a super deep draft, I wonder if teams start to get desperate when their board is pretty empty and you have those names like Debo Samuel obviously would be a little different, but some of those LaVisca Chenault type names, Baker Mayfield, another one, like do people start to get desperate and go make moves for somewhat proven players over than what they have left on their board? Do you think actually the Jags would we, – we just don't see – I don't feel like we see a lot of player movement on draft day. But would they try to unload a guy like Chase on? 
Could they try to, Chenault would be one. Could they try to unload a guy like Jawan Taylor and be like, listen, we're giving up on him. We've already got his replacement, Walker Little. Yeah. Could they try to, I mean, I guess the Jags have some players like that that would make a little bit of sense if they wanted to make a move and also find a dance partner to do it. Yeah, I think I think the draft's a perfect time to do it. I hadn't really considered the chase on part of it, but that is interesting. Um, look, people in the draft, they want what they want. When you start not being able to get the players you want to get, things change, and you become a point where this is your real last chance to update your roster, if you will, uh, before the season starts. So, yeah, I think when there's a guy out there that, you know, has been voiced to maybe, you know, underperform, sure, but might be a trade target, then, yeah, I think – you might as well try. Anything can happen during the draft. We all seen that movie. Draft action day. Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. 3-6. We've got Action Sports Shacks OT coming up uh, from 6-7. to seven. No Jumbo Shrimp tonight on ESPN 690. They played this morning instead. So join Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton for more draft talk and other sports talk uh, throughout uh, the evening each and every day after Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And we'll have full coverage, by the way, on Thursday. You can listen to the draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday right here on ESPN 690. And and I think we start on 7 o'clock on Thursday, 6 o'clock on Friday yep. with the draft coverage. And, of course, we've got you covered on the TV side, CBS 47, Fox 30. I start going live in the morning shows. That's when you know it's starting to heat up. I go live in the morning shows tomorrow on CBS 47 and Fox 30. So I'll have you covered all day tomorrow, all, all day Thursday. Like Thursday, it says it's 24 hours in the day, but there's really like 36. You just don't know it. Um, and so we'll have you covered to that degree on the uh, TV side. Earlier in the show, I asked, who do you envy mm-hmm. as a, you know, from a draft standpoint? We haven't really talked a lot about the rest of the league. We talked Jags, Jags, Jags at number one. Uh, we've talked every single way around this draft. Uh, and a lot of new storylines have emerged, too. So it, it's been fun. Um, if we look at this draft, we know it's not quarterback heavy. We wonder where the quarterbacks will go. But would anybody be stunned? If only one quarterback or no quarterbacks went in the first round, I'd be stunned. Yeah, I think you could get as many as three potentially, and I think two are a, a guarantee. So if it's zero or one, I would be uh, absolutely shocked. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the nature of that position, and people will. I think Willis is. See, I think Pickett's going to go. Pickett's going to go, hundred percent. I I think Willis is the wild card. I think Willis and, will go. And what's the real story on him? Do people really love them? Are we trying to force people to love them? Are there some things that scare people from loving him? And are there enough teams that once you take all those questions out of the way, that need them? And so I think that sets up a fascinating discussion. We're not talking about a player like Trayvon Walker or even Jamison Williams where probably 20 teams would need those guys. We're talking about a QB where maybe only four or five Maybe even six teams need those guys. Yeah, I think I think it could happen. And I, I also think the wild card is Matt Corral. That's not a guy that gets talked about yeah. a lot. Watch yeah. that back of the first round. and Because he fits what you want to do, most teams want to do now. Move a little bit, big arm, Matt Corral does that. So I think, I think he's the sleeper, and I think all three of them go. I just don't know where. I'm not trying to look like a superhero here on the uh, video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, but I'm just doing compression. During the show. Like, maybe this could be a thing that I do all the time. Just compression during the show. Get the blood flowing. Get the lactic acid out. That's oh, this a, is a maybe thing. a good idea. And uh, here I am at iCryo uh, here in St. John's County trying it. Live on the show in this segment. And it feels pretty good. Like, and I'm, I can still talk. 
I'm not sure if you're trying to take over the world or rob a bank. Like I'm, un, I, I can't figure it out just yet. But I'm, I'm working on it. At times, maybe both are alike. Um, That's fair. The, uh, uh, but I feel like neither is is in the cards, at least for me here on a Tuesday evening. Uh, from I cryo. As you look at the rest of the NFL, another element we haven't talked about much: Houston, Indianapolis, yeah. Tennessee. That's what you're chasing, Jacksonville. You're not chasing the Chiefs right now. Not chasing the Buffalo Bills right now. Not chasing all the stuff that happened in the West right now. You're chasing those, well, really two teams, I think, but, well, after last year, the three. And Houston has a chance to get better, 3-13. and 13. A lot will hinge on how much they believe in Davis Mills and how much he grows. I think we feel like in Jacksonville we should be able to catch the Houston Texans with the moves and the money spent and the quarterback that we have here versus even what they have there. Tennessee and Indianapolis, totally different standpoint. Mm -hmm. Indianapolis goes and gets Matt Ryan. Tennessee has really been kind of the most consistent team in the division. They'll get a healthy Derrick Henry. They have A.J. Brown, at least for now. They add Robert Woods, and many people like that. Yeah. When you come out of this draft, will the draft chip away at the gap between those two teams and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will it do it in a significant manner, uh, do you feel, by Sunday that the Jags got better in trying to catch those two teams? Because I think you can make the case that happened in free agency. Jags spent more money than both those teams, even though Indianapolis ended up getting uh, Matt Ryan, which maybe neutralized how much money the Jags spent. But I think they got better, at least closed the gap against those two teams specifically. Will we come out of the draft and feel the same way? I think I think you can on Indianapolis. I mean, you'll pick twice before they pick once, which is um, obviously exciting as it currently stands now, um, especially for Indianapolis where you probably think wide receiver in that turn. And if all, all the wide receivers might be gone, so Indianapolis might have to make a move if they want to get one of those guys that's highly coveted. Tennessee consistently has that late first-round pick, and it, it it has gone well in some cases, but in other cases it has not. So that's uh, it, it's going to be hard to gain on Tennessee. I'll tell you this, though. My biggest fear for this whole thing is the Houston Texans wind up with Thibodeau and the Jags get to see up close and personal what they missed out on. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a very good point. And, by the way, if they don't take Hutchinson and for some reason Detroit didn't or traded out of the spot or whatever, then that could be a case. Oh, uh, or, or the Jags take Hutchinson, and don't be surprised if Houston takes Walker. Yeah, true. You know? All, and all so true. That's a really good point. Like, the Jags could be measured for the next five to ten years at who they take versus what Houston does. Now, it's more than just the one team, but certainly there's a measurement there, a barometer there that could play itself out and really has a likely chance to play itself out. I think there's a really good chance that one of those situations that we just mentioned happens between the Jaguars and the Houston Texans. So the domino effect there, again, not something we've talked a lot about, but you're not just talking about the Jags missing, you're talking about potentially Houston gaining yeah. in your own division. And that is uh, that's a big part of it. I think... Real quick here, you just said if if the Colts got a receiver, that would probably scare you most, right? Like if mm-hmm. they got a big-time playmaker. Like I really don't look at Tennessee and say, like, okay, they can get ten times better if they get this position. Agreed. I agree with that. Yeah, so it's weird. Like, And and part of that's because they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it right? certainly helps, yeah. And the other part of that is they're going to be picking toward the back end, like you said. So um, 
Yeah, I think Indianapolis is someone to keep an eye on. What weapon do they get? And then, of course, Houston, you're right, the domino effect of what happens. So, uh, listen, it's all about the AFC South. Yeah, we, we would love the Jags to be one of the elite teams in the NFL someday. But it's really hard to be elite if you can't take care of business in your own division. And the Jags need to close that gap between, uh, most notably, the Titans and the Colts. Compression going well. Going to continue during the break here at iCryo. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We come back in a moment, put a bow on the show, and we lead right into Action Sports Shacks OT with Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton. We'll be right back. It's a tremendous honor, you know, and, and I'm really excited to be here. I know me and Sierra and our kids are excited to be here. Uh, and just, it's been an amazing experience so far. And I think that any time uh, you leave a place, but also you also arrive at a new place, you always want to make it better. And you always want to try to find ways to implement something that, that maybe guys didn't know or, or, or some type of experience. But I think also, too, uh, you want to grow personally. You want to continue to grow with relationships with guys and make those bonds. We have some great bonds in here so far. And then I think also, too, um, you know, came here to win. You know, I came here to win. You know, that's, what we're, that's our mindset. And so whatever it takes to do that, we're going to do. That is Russell Wilson, now quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Will he, we see him in Jacksonville this year, or could that be one of the games, too, that could go to London, I guess? Uh, but they're on the home schedule. Uh, it's a really good home schedule this year. Uh, yeah. The uh, schedule will come out in terms of the dates on May 12th, but uh, Denver and Russell Wilson are on that schedule, along with the Giants and Dallas, uh, the, the Raiders as well. Um, I think from a ticket standpoint, like which game is smartest to take? Now, uh, let's say they're not going to take a, a division game, right? Um, oh, which they could. They have in the past. But the Titans, the Colts, the Texans, I think they've done it in the past. I, do, I don't know if they want to do that because they still want to draw over there in London. And I just don't know if that does it. So they're not I, – I already told you, like they're, I, they're not taking the Dallas game. Um, they did that already, and they're not doing that again. I doubt. I just don't see them taking the Giants game. Although I would say London uh, would be a heck of a draw over there. Uh, it's an easier flight, <laughs> so they can get from New York to London probably pretty uh, relatively simple. So uh, who am I missing on the schedule? Uh, uh, Raiders. Raiders. Say Raiders are good. That's a good draw either way, right? I would think that'd be a good draw in Jacksonville. Yeah. And uh, and in London, uh, Denver is a good fan base. I don't know how much they impact like London. I don't know how much they impact Jackson. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember last time the Broncos came here. Uh, I guess it would have been Tebow year. Paxton Lynch was on their team. Would that still have been Tebow year? Would he have been on that roster? I feel like it would have been. But maybe I could be wrong. I don't think um, so. The only reason I remember that is because I did Denver. Uh, I tried to get autographs. I remember Paxton Lynch. I don't okay. remember Tebow being there. And I, that okay. I would have remembered. Um, and w so who am I? I'm missing Baltimore. somebody on the schedule. Oh, Baltimore. And I, we, well, the Jags have played Baltimore in London before. So would that stop them from doing one again? Baltimore's an okay draw here. There's actually a lot of people from the Baltimore area that live in Jacksonville. So it's a pretty good draw. So my point being, listen, I don't know what, which game they're going to take. <clears throat> or my, uh, but uh, I, I don't. What? They're going to announce that on May 12th. And I just think that uh, it, either way, the Jags are winners at the gate. I think I've got a good home schedule um, here this year. So, yeah, but take uh, Daniel we'll Jones, you know? <laughs> Daniel Jones or, the, or Tennessee. Um, yeah. I, I think, listen, it's fun. It is kind of crazy that the divisional games 
don't do a lot for the people around here either, right? They're like, take a divisional game. <laughs> yeah. Or do you just want Tennessee over there so you don't get embarrassed here in Jacksonville by Tennessee? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an interesting, like, psychology with the AFC South uh, through the years, even though they've built some good rivalries um, over there uh, in the AFC South. Brett Mortno, Casey Kurtz here on a Tuesday, uh, getting closer to the draft. 50 hours away now until the Jags make that first overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. We also tomorrow will have our third edition of the Action Sports Jags Dream 18 uh, show. The Dream 18 show. And there will be a fella on there by the name of Scott Wilson. You've probably never heard of Scott Wilson. Uh, the last couple of weeks you've heard of the guys. Jim Furyk, Paul Tesori, who caddies for Webb Simpson. Well, Scott Wilson is an interesting guy. He has played the top 100 public courses in the United States of America. He has played 78 of the top 100 courses around the world. And so we thought, wow, for Dream 18, your favorite round of golf, this guy knows what a favorite round of golf looks like. And I uh, met him actually at Streamsong Resort. He's no longer working there. Uh, and he actually uh, puts together trips to go play overseas and, and in other spots of the country uh, for people who want to do that. Uh, here's a, a glimpse of uh, what we talk about with Scott Wilson, and we'll do that tomorrow, 2 o'clock, on the Dream 18 show on ESPN 690. Well, I, I'd say not on the top 100 list, but obscure. I would definitely say uh, Alaska. Um, I grew up uh, for a few years uh, there with my father being in uh, working for an oil company, and the whole family uh, moved up there. I was three at the time, but didn't play golf when we were there, but came back at a later date and uh, played a nine-hole golf course that I remember seeing my father uh, try to play uh, years ago. And uh, they had sand greens at the time, and now the greens are back to uh, actually grass. So uh, they got a, a long playing day. Uh, during their season, but uh, not a very long season. <laughs> Say, how did you put on the sand greens? <laughs> it was pretty cool. They had some oil in it, and uh, they had a like a tee bar uh, that you would drag across and put your ball on that area so you could putt um, equidistant to wherever the ball was on the green, so you didn't have to rake the whole the whole green. That's pretty wild. I've never heard of that. <laughs> so that's part of the conversation with Scott Wilson, uh, playing a little golf in Alaska and beyond. Uh, that will take place tomorrow on the Dream 18 show, uh, 2 o'clock on ESPN 690. And then right after that, we'll go 3 to 6 here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, right into Action Sports Shacks OT and into the Jumbo Shrimp on a Wednesday night on the eve of the NFL Draft 2022. Which guys come, coming up? Give us a little teaser. Casey Kurtz. Yeah, um, well, the first thing I'm going to do is tell you that right now on NFL Live, as we speak, they are giving a comparison for Drake London. Oh. And that comparison oh, is Mike Evans. Oh, Ever heard of him? Good, that's a good comparison. Oh, it's a good comparison. We don't usually get good comparisons. It's usually some name we've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. You know, so this, uh, you know, pretty, pretty big deal. Mike Evans, you might have heard of him, but... um. Yeah, talk, uh, got some NBA talk, some vague headlines. The people love the vague headlines. You ever heard of the vague headlines, Brent? Uh, I have heard of the vague headlines. I like the vague headlines. Yeah, I like it too. People, uh, The people like it. I, I get the tweets like, where are the vague headlines? I'm like, they're coming back. So we got that today. Uh, got some NBA. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the Jags. Uh, Brian Middleton's a little 
Uh, in between, not sure what to do because the Panthers with that sixth pick, he's not sure what he wants them to do. So we'll see if we can figure more of that out. And then we'll probably uh, argue with each other because he is one of the offensive linemen uh, wanting people. And I keep trying to tell him that he's dumb. But, oh, yeah. You know, we'll I, I, I mean, dumb might be strong. You don't have to be dumb to like the offensive line. No, that's just for him, though, because his other oh. takes that like go with it, you know. I got you. Yeah, he, yeah, you know. That, that's the same thing. We spent a lot of time early in the show talking about offensive line. Which which way would the offensive line shape up better with a guy like Linderbaum or a guy like Iquanu? Uh, does Neil even fit in the mix? Why do so many folks still want that? Why don't people want Walker? What's the turnoff with him? Uh, and so many other things about the draft as we continue to dissect this puppy uh, just a couple of days uh, before it's go time in Jacksonville. Here's one thing for sure. We can debate it. We can talk all around it. We know we, we have our opinions. We have our thoughts. We have our guesses. Jags know who they're taking. Yeah. There's about three or four, maybe five people in the building that know who they're taking. Yeah. Now we all wait about 50 hours to find out. They should just tweet it. <laughs> so good. Just tag the NFL like, hey, we got bored. We're going to take. Yeah, I mean, let's, we've been sitting on this number one pick essentially for two years. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're sick of we're sick of the attention. Like, just put Detroit on yeah. the clock. We'll take him and we'll move on. Uh, I need Brent to talk about something else here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Facts. Uh, speaking of, uh, thanks to the good folks here at iCryo Recovery and Wellness. Believe in your health. Elevate your lifestyle. Download the iCryo app for more information. And come on out to the St. Johns County location. Just opened on Saturday. Really good folks and uh i think you'll like it if you try it uh if you missed a little bit of the show you can go back and watch me do the compression why yeah makes you look like a like a marvel movie hero you really do yeah, yeah kind of fun i might do that from now on all right casey have a good show action sports shacks ot coming up next brian middleton casey kurtz on espn 690 have a good night everybody Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.